Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. From Backpage, welcome to Between the Lines, the podcast that tells the stories behind great sports writing. My name is Martin Gregg and this is my conversation with Daniel Gray, the author of multiple excellent books on football, including Saturday 3pm and Black Boots and Football Pinks. In this episode, we discuss a new book called Snapshot, Scenes and Stories from the Heartlands of Scottish Football. The book is a collaboration with photographer Alan McCready and is a series of photo essays covering lots of interesting aspects of football culture in Scotland, from the Highland League to junior football, ghost stadiums to thriving social clubs. As always with Daniel's work, it is his powers of observation, his ability to capture moments of beauty and humanity which elevates it. Enjoy. So Daniel, let's start by talking a bit about the concept of the book, which is a collaboration with photographer Alan McCready. I know you've worked with Alan before on other projects. Is this project is this one that you've both had in mind for a while i think to bring the photo essays together was the idea so a lot of the images already appeared in nutmeg and all along we said this would make a great book if we added to it with more text more photos a few extra chapters i think from the very start it's four years since we did the first one on on the first day of that season um once we saw it in print in nutmeg magazine both of us thought this one day if we keep going there's a nice book in this if you get it right design wise which undoubtedly Ali who designed it who designs Nutmeg has got it right design wise and if it can smell as good as Nutmeg which it does it smells as good as a Panini album as a Danny Garavelli rightly identified then yeah I think we always thought there was something in it Scottish football to us is so picturesque and I don't just mean that when you're in a ground with beautiful surroundings, mountains behind it and all of the rest. But it's so picturesque in the the uniqueness of it, in the the rough edges of it, in how old most of the grounds are, in how the lack of money in the Scottish game has meant that you've kept a lot of old grounds with all the character, and that word comes up so much. So it's very photogenic, and there are stories absolutely everywhere to write about. You're never short of material in the Scottish game. So you're, you're talking about 14 chapters covering a variety of different geographical locations in Scotland, from the borders to the highlands, but also different experiences within that. So you're talking about social clubs, the magic of floodlit football, park football. So you're trying to reflect lots of different aspects mm. of the Scottish football landscape. Yeah, from the very top. So from you know one of the last photos we got to take before lockdown was for this chapter on floodlights, and it was at Ibrox, the European game. They just squeezed in right through to the Lowland League and the Highland League in June, and and yeah, and a whole chapter on red blaze pitches, for instance. So it's it's an attempt to capture the many different fabrics to the game there are here it's such a rich terrain you know i know people often come out with that stat about scotland having one of the highest attendance ratios in in europe but it's it's more than that really it's the fact that 
it's very hard to get into a taxi in Scotland without the taxi driver starting a conversation about football. And you just, you, you're relieved sometimes that you know your stuff because so you, you think, what else would you talk about? But that's, it's tap, that's just an example of the book's an attempt to tap into the way football is so intrinsic in Scottish life. That, of course, means three o'clock to five o'clock, means offsides, great goals, all the rest. It means transfer rooms. But more than that, it means what happens outside three o'clock to five o'clock on a Saturday. So there's a chapter on social clubs, for instance, because they're so important to the towns they're in. They're often in ex-mining towns, these clubs and, and places like that. And the football clubs are real hubs and we wanted to capture that and get it across. You know, the cover has that famous now ground in Eriskay, on Eriskay on the front cover. And, it, and football means just as much there as it does at Ibrox. And uh, we wanted to really capture that. And we're going to talk a little bit about one of your trips, which was to the Highlands of Scotland. And it struck me reading the book that there's so many aspects of the football experience that are completely unrelated to the game itself. Um, and one of them, obviously, is the physical journey to the ground or stadium, um, which is obviously very relevant to, to the Highlands. Actually reminded me about a, a trip I took for the Herald once in 2007. I went to cover St Cuthbert Wanderers against Pollock United, which was the first round of the Scottish Cup. And it was actually quite a historic day because it was the first time junior clubs had been allowed to play in the Scottish Cup. Um, so I went down to the southwest of Scotland, down to Kirkcubri, where St Cuthbert Wanderers are, are, are based. And Kirkcubri is a beautiful little town. And they play in St Mary's Park, which is in the banks of the estuary at the Solway Firth. And it was just amazing. It was an amazing journey. One of my most memorable working days of my five years working at the Herald. But it struck me that that physical journey of you and Alan and this whistle stop tour of the Highlands, you know, that must have been as as big a part of the experience as, as anything else. Oh, absolutely. And there's a great dynamic to it in that I can't drive, so Alan always has to pick me up. Um, and it just starts from there and it gives you that boyish feeling of a day out because we don't get to have many days out once we become adults in fact the day out in general is a disappearing thing you know the coach journey the tipping the driver and all of that stuff so to have that day out feeling and the two of you off on the roads getting up north getting radio 5 on or or radio scotland and listening to the pre-match previews and things like that making you stop us all absolutely part of it and you know it's sort of it's what the trip, the BBC series, was so popular for, capturing that that dynamic between... It'd be the same with two women, it'd be the same with the woman in the mountain shop, but in this case, two two blokes, two good mates going off to, to do their thing. Um, really enjoyable time. Some, for some of the other trips, we took our kids with us. The our, Alan's son and my daughter are best mates anyway, so that brought another joyous thing to it, and they do creep into some of the photos uh, in the book. As you might expect. <laughs> I, I'm, the Highland landscape itself is an incredible canvas for a writer and a photographer. But, you know, when you pitch up to these to these places, very often the match itself is really not of any uh, importance to the narrative uh, and the images. I mean, you're looking for the quirks and the colour. Like, talk, talk us through what you're looking for as you approach a stadium. The, the exterior of the stadium is really important. So I'll be looking from a writing point of view at signs um i love to note things like for instance we started at strathspey thistle in that chapter which is in granton and uh, I, I remember their signs were in laminated 
fi- uh, pocket file uh, folders, just fantastic, which gives you a sort of insight. And they were looking for a, vol- a volunteer person to help them with IT. So those things on the outside of the ground that really tell you a bit about the character of the club. Uh, um, in terms of photography, the, the corrugated fences are always a beautiful thing to capture, always lovingly painted, and you just know immediately by a volunteer or someone who's painted the ground to get an advertising hoarding for free inside. And then walking in, the noise of the turnstile, it'll always be a romantic thing to me. And most of these clubs have proper turnstiles. Nairn County up there have the the, the Salford-built turnstiles that were the the mainstay of the of the great British turd style back in the day. Sometimes they've got them from bigger grounds that have been knocked down. So those noises and those smells that immediately hit you are important. Um, observing the committee men is important because these are the absolute lifeblood of the Scottish game, the volunteers and the committee men. The various huts you get around with very homespun huts selling, whether it's the pies, the programmes, the lottery tickets. All of these things that every ground has but are different in each ground are fantastic for photography and writing. And then as the ground fills up, you just look at what type of person is coming here, people on their own, because football is a real... Um, help for those that live on their own and that's who I've worried about most during the absence of football people that once a week get to go out and be around other people so you spot them and they're good for photographs and they've got stories and really it's it's similar things every time but with a a unique bent and in in the highlands it's a surprise to find such a rich football culture for someone like me, an Englishman, because all your stereotype of the Highlands is the mountains, um, rural land, distilleries at the very most. And it's so rich. You go, to, you see a stand like the main stand at Forest Mechanics, which is opposite a distillery as it happens. And that could be anywhere in, in the central belt of Scotland, which we always think of as the real heartland of football. Nairn County, characterful little ground, all of these become something are something of a surprise when when you stereotype the Highlands a bit. It's a very very rich football culture, and zipping around those grounds that day just made us want to stay for a lot longer. Really, yeah, it's interesting when you do a light upon these environments. Like nothing is not interesting. Almost, you know, like from the people, the accents, the landscape, the serving hatches, you know, the old turnstiles, the advertising holdings. You know, it's just it's so so rich uh, an environment but I'm interested like when you visit these venues like would you say you do so as a fan or as a journalist because there is some journalism there's some documenting in this book you do speak to people you do chat to club officials do they know you're coming at any point or do you just introduce yourself when you get there little interviews bits and pieces how do you piece it together usually just introduce ourselves when when we get there i'll take a copy of nutmeg magazine as a sort of credential but these places are so friendly we we usually try and pay our way in as well just to show that we're we're not on a freebie and all of that they don't always accept it but every club lowland to highland friendly every time um and and just talks to you very very pleased to show off their club their little part of football very proud and to tell you all of that stuff um in terms of my writing I, I definitely write as a fan first um you know I've never had any journalism training and I didn't really start to do much in newsprint till I hit my 30s it was more books before that so it's a I've done it the other way around in some ways and last season I did a few match report style things for Scotland on Sunday which I enjoyed tremendously so I think I'm having a, a reverse career but 
uh, I, I certainly approach it as someone more than even a fan, as someone that's just in, in love with the game and looking to extol its virtues. Um, and they're very easy to extol and to find in that kind of place. But always, you're right, there are individual stories you pick out. So I think again of Nairn and what struck me at Nairn when I had my usual walk around to every stand was I heard a voice of a man commentating really in detail behind the goal and thought, why is he commentating? Because that could be annoying in some circumstances. And I turned around and he was commentating to his son who was blind. His son was leaned into him with his head on his shoulder. And it was just one of the, if I say sweetest, it sounds patronising, but most heart-filling moments of the of the whole thing that the dad was getting across what was happening on the pitch to his son they were still going together it didn't matter that he was blind you know football has no barriers in some ways like that so you 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 end up feeling a bit nosy but you can't help but write about something like that because it fills your heart it really does that you share the same love with people from all walks of life these are all cliches I'm speaking in but moments like that you know you've got uh, um, something to write about yeah, I think putting yourself in amongst the fans and, and the community and just uh, just listening as much as anything is really important. Um, I remember being down at the St Cuthbert Wanderers game and um, Pollock beat them quite comprehensively that day. I think it was 6-2. And as the game was going on, St Cuthbert Wanderers had this big centre half and he kept like like booting the ball like as far as possible out of play but the Solway Firth was right beside the ground so the ball would like end up in the water so this happened about two or three times and I remember like uh, there, was a, there was a group of fans beside me and they were chatting I said what, what, what's going on why does he keep doing that and apparently his thinking was that like they only had a set amount of balls <laughs> and if they if, if he kicked every ball into the Solway Firth they'd have to abandon the match it'd have to be like replayed <laughs> but um, it's amazing how you can just get more from just being around uh, the regulars and tuning in to, to, to what their um, concerns are than you can from, from yeah. actually trying to undertake any you know serious high-minded reporting yeah it, it, the other thing, in a, you know, you hope a book lasts for a long time and if you start to do too much detail on the match itself and, and talk about players' names and things, it becomes quickly irrelevant. Whereas, I dare say, when, when the Highland League comes back at the end of November with fans in, so it seems, um, that there'll be the same people saying the same things with the same gripes. You know, they'll have spent the last nine months going, I miss football, I miss football. One minute past three at Rothes FC, there'll be someone shouting you know a load of shite at the centre forward and there's something in that as well so there's there's difference every time there's colour there's stories but it's the constancy of it that the in, in a changing world that people really identify with I think. Can you talk a little bit about how you and Alan work together because that's something that intrigued me sometimes the images are not directly connected to the world sometimes they are I mean there's a great image of I think it's the Arthur Lee groundsman and he's rolling the pitch and he's trying to get the water off the pitch um, to make the game playable and he's got a brilliant expression on his face actually it's not um, it's kind of hard to read actually it's, it's, he's not happy um, but it's, it's almost like some kind of stoicism you know we're going to we're going to get this game on um, but it's reflected in your copy because you talk I think you speak to him and yeah. you've got some quotes from him in the book yeah, so, is of that old school of uh, they never wouldn't have called it off in my day that sort of health and safety gone mad attitude. Um, but yeah, you're right. Alan um, always loved 
photo essays in the National Geographic where the writer didn't necessarily refer to the photographs at all, but they were vaguely connected. So he was always fine with that and, and likes that approach. Um, but yeah, very often I don't see the photos until after I've written the text. Um, and it, sometimes there's things we've both noticed, but we, we go off, we go off on our own. We, we arrive together and then Alan just disappears off and every sort of 15 minutes I spot him at the other end of the pitch and then we text each other going, right, we better move on to somewhere else now kind of thing. And we have a quick chat with uh, together with a couple of people. Sometimes I'll say, oh, you know, there's a couple of shots in the book where I remember saying, um, go and get a shot of that. One of them is the Nen. There's four fans from outside the ground. And there's lots of things that I would write about that would also make good photos. There's a lot of overlap in what me and Alan love about these places. So it's just a different way of storytelling whether it's through pictures or words. We, we really are into the same things like that. Alan and I met because we live on the same street. He's moved a, a few streets away now, but we met a f well, seven or eight years ago, I think, putting the wheelie bins out and um, our families became friends. But it was clear from the start we loved the same sort of photography and the same things about football. And he's almost proud that there's not much football action in the whole book. In my experience, good photographers tend to have a very finely tuned antennae and if, if they see for example you know you're you're chatting to the groundsman about something suddenly they'll appear by your side and they're snapping away snapping away snapping away so it's a, it's a great skill of 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 that job isn't it that they they know um where a moment might occur and then you they when they get lucky it's to, to be with a photographer that gets lucky is a wonderful thing one example of that in the highland chapter at Strathspey thistle there were um uh, I've forgotten what type of bird it was circling above us and they couldn't move them on from their nest because they were a protected species and we were watching them and I was writing about the cleep cleep noise they were making um, and then one swooped down and attacked a substitute and Alan just got it at the right time and he was uh, for three hours he just kept shaking his head about uh, in joy that we got that moment so it's quite nice as a writer to see what makes people with other I don't want to use the word art forms but uh, hobbies no um smile in that way in the way I would when I get the right metaphor or simile that's the thing you want to get across to fill in the gaps when you're writing a book with a photographer what can't a pho photographer get across he can't get across smell and he can't get across sound so I'm very conscious in the writing that I tell people what it sounded like and what it smelled like because everything else pretty much he can do Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mm -hmm. 
you, you use a great phrase at one point, the atmosphere of community. And I think you, you capture that really well, the atmosphere of community. But I think you write about it in quite a powerful way because I think I think what you do is you celebrate it rather than you sentimentalise it. And, you know, that that's a very fine line to walk. I mean, there's a way to do this wrong. But I think um, by tuning into it in the way you do and, and writing from it um, in, in a kind of impassioned honest way I think you walk that line better than anyone do you think about that because you know there is a way of overly romanticizing or sentimentalizing people's lives in these places I, I think that's that's kind of you say so I think it's just because it's so similar to my own upbringing in my own life so lots of the places we go to I, I was born on Teesside but moved to North Yorkshire when I was little and Lots of the places, like the social clubs we go to, just look the same as ones in the northeast of England and in North Yorkshire and things, and in Yorkshire in general. So it's not like I'm an outsider going in. These are these people remind me of my own relatives. You know, um, the football people are. You already have that in common, but there's a social class thing as well. I feel very at home in in the the mining towns of West Lothian. Really, you never face any hostility of any sort. Um, so it, I just feel sometimes you feel like you're among you, your own in some ways, which helps. But why you shouldn't sentimentalise is well, one life can be very tough, but two, these are still living, living communities. They're not on the cusp of changing much. I don't see the social clubs. You know, lots do close down, but they're still quite strong. They're still a big way of life. It's just that we in the the cities, particularly with our um, different trappings and social media have have forgotten that the those lives are still being led to because they're not i don't feel it's on that way of life is on the cusp of disappearing then i don't feel too so it's real it's there um it exists and and those places have much better crisps than all the posh bars in edinburgh (laughs) they certainly do um there's a great uh chapter on red blaze pictures um and i actually emailed you a bit about this beforehand um I mean, there'll be lots of people listening to this podcast that don't know what Red Blaze is. Red Blaze is red ash or gravel. And I think in the book you say it's the... Is it the spoil of the shale oil mining industry, something like that? Yeah, the, the, I, I never I never knew that. Because anyone who's travelled from uh, Edinburgh to Glasgow on the on motorway or train will have seen the big shale bings, um, which are the same sort of crimson colour as the pitches, and that's where they were taken from. I didn't realise till we did that chapter, but only an Englishman who's never played on those pitches could romanticise them. Well, I'll come to I'll come to that actually, but I mean, for people who don't know, Glasgow Corporation had this insane idea that they they would they would take these mounds of of red ash and make them into municipal pitches all over the west of Scotland. I don't know who ever had that great idea. Well, I heard all I heard all sorts of unprintable stuff from people who were around at the time to do with contractors, council corruption, um, pollution buried within, and all of this stuff. But I thought best not get us sued. Yeah, <laughs> I grew up playing on those parks. I grew up in the west of Scotland, and um, I, I hated them. You know, the the ball bounced all over the place. You could play. You could play a nice, a good ball would become a bad ball because it would just bounce, bounce, bounce a bit and go out of play. Um, so you really had to play a different type of football. And when I 
um, started playing out with the West of Scotland, it was always grass parks. Everywhere else had grass parks apart from the bloody West of Scotland, right? And it was like playing a different sport. Yeah. Um, so I don't really have, have, have a great affection for those parks. And in some ways, I think they are responsible for hindering our technical development mm. Um, mm. in Scotland. But it was really interesting kind of seeing it through your eyes. Um, and you know, you offered a kind of different perspective and when I'm reflecting back in that, I can, can see some of the merits of the experiences that I had, mm. you know, play, playing in these difficult surf, uh, surfaces in difficult weather. It is quite character forming, but, you know, you, you mentioned there's a, there's a great line which I wrote down here and you said, I find these pitches mesmerising, beautiful, evil, even. This is almost entirely because I never had to play in one, you know? <laughs> and that was it, because that, that just made it for me because you, you were acknowledging for people like me that, you know, um, this is not a you know this is not a sentimental thing for a lot of people you know this no. is like this represents pain yeah. and suffering you know. Well, I did take a ball that day because we make little films of these photo essays and I thought it'd be good to see a ball bouncing on it. So I was smashing a ball in the net and trying to do trying to do kick ups was absolutely impossible for some reason. I just couldn't get where my feet were supposed to be in the balance of it. It throws your feet around and yeah. So I, what was interesting with that is bef- the night before we. I put on Twitter who's got a red blaze pitch near them still and it just went it was one of the most popular tweets I've ever made it just got hundreds of replies Um, each reply was full of oh that bloody thing I've still got some some red ash in my knee and then oh one scored from 45 yards on one of them there was this strange dark fondness for them really interesting it's deep in the west of scotland psyche though definitely yeah but i, I think that line you know going back to the the tone of uh, that you're trying to hit i thought that was a really really important line to have that you know you're seeing this from an, outs- an outsider's point of view but people who see it from the inside i've got i've got uh, quite a different experience of it you know um and it's just trying to guess to kind of walk that line between saying um you know, this is this is something that is part of somebody's life experience, but um, it, you know, it's, it's not all uh, a bed of roses when you look back on it. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely right. Anything that you didn't have where you grew up is really, really interesting. So the first time I started walking around Edinburgh, or Glasgow, the stone is so different. You know, we don't have even the word tenement in York where I grew up. So it, it really helps being an outsider is what what I'm trying to get at here, and that undoubtedly has helped grow my affection for Scottish football because. I don't have any I don't have an innate dislike of any team either whereas in England I could reel off teams that have annoyed me over the years but here they're all even to me um which is a really useful thing especially being editor of nutmeg because I have no prejudices on that front that's the 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 perk of the outsider yeah I I think your perspective as an outsider is really really important in in this book and I think it it gives these uh, experiences a kind of universality and you, you were saying you know this is like and with lots of people listening to this that aren't living in Scotland and, and don't have any affinity with Scottish football but that's not the point you know you could you could pick up this book and, and, and just be a, a fan of football or, or life yeah it's the values it, 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 before the latest lockdown I've been to quite a few Premier um, Northern and Northern Premier League games in the northwest and North East of England and you could almost have though they're so similar is what I'm trying to say. You could the the grounds, the people that go, the attitudes. It's very it's a universal game. It's particularly that sort of goes without saying, but the the character of it is very similar across England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. So so listeners and readers will tune into this book with those same values. But uh, there's an added level of romance when you're 
in England to a lot of the we know about the team names in Scotland were always fascinated by them St Mirren, St Johnston, Queen of the South Heart of Midlothian when you're a kid in England growing up impossibly romantic a lot of people share that in England and, and um, uh, so you know the book sold quite well across the UK and it just shows that these shared values in football are there and, and people recognise these things they definitely have a unique um, Scottish tint to them the team colours are different you know you get very few teams that play in red in Scotland for some reason what you do get are incredible kit combinations there's not an equivalent to the Partick Thistle shirt in England so there's, there's, there's those unique things that make it different enough to just be exotic but there's those universal values that people really tune into and subscribe to Thank you for listening to Between the Lines. You can buy Snapshot via the link in the show notes where there is also a link to Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical mentioned in the show. There you will also find a link to our latest book, At the End of the Storm, Stories from Liverpool's Historic Title Triumph, which is published in partnership with The Athletic. This is our last show of 2020, so if you can't be bothered giving us a small Christmas present by leaving a rating or review, wherever you listen to this, then we would be most grateful. 